Listen, the Great Dive Podcast is not for everyone, thankfully. I mean, there are, there are people that it rubs them the wrong way, even, even being suggested that there's a better way to dive. And when I say I think there's a better way to dive, I'm speaking from a lot of experience. I learned coming up through those various agencies and the various methods of teaching and diving where it was, hey, just do your own thing. Hey, you choose. You try these things out. And I did. I butt-mounted my light. I used double wings. I, you know, I had the garbage hefty bag dry suit. I've had full face masks. I've, I've had the different reels. I mean, name a reel out, a manta reel, the click and lock, the hand jobbers, you know. I've had all those. I've used them. And then I, I met real divers. And not, not that the other people aren't real divers, I guess that comes out from. But I've met skilled magical divers in the water that thankfully took me under the wing and showed me the light. The biggest obstacle in receiving that is your own ego. Speaking of hand jobbers, let's get this show started. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. The 300th episode spectacular. Brando. <laughs> this weekend. Think- <laughs> One day only. 300 episodes. Dive, dive, dive. <laughs> we should do a thing like scuba, they do. Scuba, uh, scuba, scuba. Every New Year's. Underwater. They- <laughs> there you go. I like it. <laughs> Uh, we should do the thing every year, you know, the radio stations play like the top 1000 hits of all time, right? Yeah. You, you know, on new year's they do that. It's just like the, the twilight zone. It's Marathon. 24 hours of twilight zone. I think Christmas we could do story. that with the great 20, dive podcast. 24 hour Christmas story. You know, I think actually to this, at, at this point, <laughs> we easily could. I don't think we just can. I think we have a duty to inundate and drown the entire scuba community with the Great Dive Podcast. We have nearly 300 hours of constant roll we could be running. See? It's perfect. I mean, it's, it's day. It could be days. It could be a week. That's Somebody a week. call the network. Tiffany, That's call the network. It. That's three weeks. It could be the entire month of January next year. The entire month. You could just sit there all of Christmas break and just constantly. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, can we listen to uh, Great Rudolph the Red Nose right there? Yeah. No, you're listening to pee or not to pee again. <laughs> but I want to watch the Grinch. Fuck the Grinch. <laughs> you're gonna listen to James and James yeah. e and Brando. Grinch. You get another 28 minutes of M-I-E-T-D-R-T-T-H-T-T-T-W-T. Yeah. Make it easier to do the right thing, harder to do the wrong thing. Yeah, see, now, that's, a, that's a doozy. If you're into acronyms, that's the episode know, for you. And we know if you're in, if you're in the scuba 
<laughs> world, you uh, you don't have a choice but being into acronyms. Well, you have to. Scuba itself is an acronym. Um, why not just continue the joy of scuba with more acronyms? Yes. Speaking of some come up barely alive. <laughs> <laughs> Brando, we made it to 300. Did you believe, believe Did it. you believe we made it to 300? I can't believe we made it to 300. No, dude. We well, like we've said a million times, it's this is a a weekend thing. Let's do the What do you want What do you want to do this week? Let's Let's try this podcast thing out. See if it works. I don't think it'll work, but well, a lot of people, people in our lives and families didn't think it would work. Well, they hate us. They kind of hate us. Do you know why, why they hate us? Because they ain't us. <laughs> and I think that's why a lot of people in the industry didn't think we would last 300 oh, episodes. The, the industry. They didn't think they could that we would last because they hate us. Because they ain't us. They hate us because they ain't us. Because we are the, the voice of the common diver that just is, loves diving and doesn't want the nonsense. You're damn right we're the voice of the common diver. And not to to gloat about us being the voice of the common I'm diver, gloating, but I'm look, I'm looking at a lot of these other uh, podcasts out there. I mean, they don't even hold a shadow to the number of ratings and reviews that we've had over oh, these couple of years. Nice, nice. I mean, I mean, you look at like some of the other big podcasts when you're scrolling through, you know, uh, uh, iTunes there, and you you look at their reviews. I mean. The big guys out there have 30 reviews, We're 60 the pros. reviews, you know, 50 ratings, a couple of the big ones, 70, 75 ratings. Great Dive Podcast sitting at over 200 ratings on, on, on Apple, I, 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 uh, Apple, whatever the hell you call it, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Wow, and the, the ratings were still holding at nearly a five, well, four point seven. But you that's know, I, what you, you want. That's what you want. Exactly. We've got uh, we have a, just enough urine in the lemonade that we you serve each week. It gives you to, just to, that to, little to, tang, the little bit of tang for. for the people that we we know that we are <laughs> not catering to, and we 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 give enough we give enough pepper in there that that. They want to come out and tell us how much it it bothers them. (laughs) But you know what? Uh, Nothing that we've ever said about diving have they really complained about. They've complained about how we format our show, speaking the truth for 10 minutes before really getting to the, to the, 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 the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about. Nobody's, nobody's really come out and said, these guys don't know what they're talking about. Well, I, I think that would be hard to do, uh, being because that we've dedicated, <laughs> between the two of us, the damn near 75, 70 years of diving, just just diving, and you know, you're working on regs every day, you're working on equipment every day, you're in the, you're in the industry every day. I used to be a little more, but you know, I've got the old-timer knowledge of just old shit, just old. I'm just old. You need an old guy there for credibility, I guess. <laughs> You don't want all the just young newbies, and I love them all. They're great. I wish I were young, but I think the people that we talk to on the show are definitely in the seagrass roots of the scuba community. Roots. Oh, <laughs> this is a seagrass movement here. <laughs> you know, it's. I, I don't think there's any any uh, you know big wig suits from any of the big agencies 
tuning in to uh-huh. listening to podcasts on a weekly basis. I don't know. It's the people that are out actually diving that are tuning yeah. in. The people that are yeah. driving to and from the dive sites that are they're downloaded a couple of episodes to listen to on the plane while they're flying, you know, to their location to to get in the water and go diving. And and I think you and I speak to the community and we speak to the people and we're, we're not just getting our, you know, snorkels yanked by, you know, uh, <laughs> by the, uh, our snorkels uh, yanked. <laughs> not getting our snorkels <laughs> yanked by, you know, some big business suit telling us what we have to say each and every week to the people. Wow. I'm not really a fan of having my snorkel yanked by a big business suit unless she's, <laughs> <laughs> she's not actually a suit or the suit you're talking about is a birthday suit. I didn't I don't say, know. I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't say lingerie, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would also think though, you're probably right. You're probably right that we don't have the uh, elite big wig industry, big wigs that really don't have their fingers on the pulse of the scuba community. Uh, they're more about, you know, profit margins. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I think you got to have a little both. You got to have both. You got to have quality and par- uh, profit kind of thing. Kind of like the Great Dive podcast. That's uh, right. Quality and, and profit. <laughs> that, that's the part we got to work on. <laughs> well, we're half. One out of two. Well, listen, with our. Speaking of profit. Speaking of profit, <laughs> you know. How's your balls? <laughs> listen. <laughs> Were you were you uh, there on uh, New Year's Eve? Were you counting down my ball drop? Three, <laughs> two, one. Happy New Year, Brando. Whoa, those are some smooth, <laughs> smooth moves there on the in the ball department. That's because the ball is officially dropped. But that doesn't mean that you have to drop the ball on your balls, people, for twenty twenty three. Whether you got yourself a little, uh, you know, New Year's kiss or not, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming have you covered for your much-needed resolution of bringing sexy back for 2023. Whoa, Jamesy Timberlake is in the hizzy here. (laughs) Join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the code TGDP for 20% off of free shipping. Let us have a toast for a new year, a new you, and a new you with no pubes this year, Brando. Whoa. Well, that doesn't, I don't know how that, (laughs) wait a minute. (laughs) This is the year for getting our divers to switch over to dive and dry and hooking up those condom catheters. And if you're going to do that, whether you're using a, you know, a Rochester medical wide band or a spray-on adhesive sheepy, you better be clean down there if you know what I mean. Well, yeah, it doesn't work if you're not clean. It doesn't work well at all. And it's uh, it's dam- dangerous. It's it's life-threatening at times. And uh, luckily, uh, trying to help out the cause at the Great Dive Podcast and help us pay a few dollars, Manscaped has uh, you know reached out to us again to extend this contract because you the people of the great dive podcast keep going over there keep buying stuff and keep using that code and we thank you so much it really helps us all of you who have donated to the show 
you're why we're here once again this week. Um, and uh, the good old Manscaped crew have got some new products coming this year that are absolute perfection for getting you ready for your smooth, happy 2023. So cheers to uh, your uh, new balls this year, everybody. <laughs> uh, don't forget, get 20% off of free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. Brando, that's once again... 20% off this year, free shipping, manscaped.com, code TGDP. It's time to feel sexy and free this 2023 with Manscaped. And you're right. You're bringing it back, Jamesy. With that voice, the that delivery, spectacular. Manscaped's lucky. I'm lucky, but Manscaped's super lucky. But go ahead. So let's... Do a little. Let's do. A, we want to do a clip show. Let's do a clip show. Why not? Uh, I mean, it's been a what while. Are they, what are they been expecting a while since we've from done us? a clip show? Are they expecting a clip show? Because I don't we won't know. Do I it. don't know what they're. I, I think they might be expecting us to have our wives back again. Well, we're shutting that one down right now. Yeah, yeah. That was not, that did not show up in the top. Didn't show top up in the two hundred ninety nine. <laughs> no, no. In fact, when I was looking looking at the top. Shows of the of the three hundred, um, the show with our wives did not fall. No, it fell in a top ten. <laughs> Don't say which one. Yeah, I I I think it would have been a. That's a tough one to make exciting in the sense of yeah. people are tuning in for scuba information and diving and a little bit of you know jocularity there. But yeah, that one I think we I think all of us were just show. show so shocked that we had hit a hundred episodes right. and, and, and right. things were going so good. And that was so early on, you know, that, um, it was just a fun, fun, uh, break from the norm to, to sit down with the ladies and, and have that little chat. But when we do, you know, kicking back and, and looking at the last five years of great dive podcast, you know, we do have an outstanding top 10, that uh, I, I thought it would be fun over the last, you know, all-time Great Dive podcast, you know, going all the way back to early 2017 now. 2017. Where we where we didn't even have 10,000 listens over the Dude, course yeah, of, 10, you know, and but by the time 2018 hit, we had over 40,000. Do you want to talk about, do you have okay, a personal so, favorite, James? Um, you know, my personal favorite still is Cayman Cowboys. Really? And I, and I get a lot of mail all the time about yeah. Cayman Cowboys, but it didn't show up in the top 10. No, I noticed that. But I think that's because we, we got so many new listeners this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the word has been spreading about the Great Dive Podcast. People have been sharing the show, sharing it with friends, sharing it with dive buddies out on dive boats. And I think a lot of new people were listening to this year's shows. And I think that's why a lot of this year's show up. I think we have several favorites. And I know we've got the Cave Diving Month. I know we get a lot of positive feedback uh, regarding the photography to include, you know, Eichelite even – mentioned us as one of the uh, top underwater photography podcasts, which, although we touch on it, it's not our main focal point. Yeah, yeah. No, that was a, that was a very nice, happy surprise. Right. 
So it's been a good year. But let's 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 take a little little journey back, Brando, shall we? To to these top ten Great Dive podcast episodes <laughs> voted on by the listening <laughs> listening people. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. Let's go. Are we going in a time machine? To look back. Or are we just uh, sitting back and recalling the? Grab a seat times. here inside Jacqueline. <laughs> we'll Jacqueline, go for, yes. We'll go for a little. Go for well, a little ride. I'm curious if uh, how many of our listeners would would even catch that reference. They can uh, do a deep search and message us. <laughs> Whoa! Nice. Not if I message you first, Sonny. <laughs> so, episode 229, Brando, was titled, What Am I Doing This For? What the hell am I doing this? What the fuck are we doing this for? And it's kind of like what the little intro role was from, where like you were saying, hey, Great Dive Podcast is not for everyone. You know, there's, there's a lot of people, and there's still today a lot of people that are teaching the hey you know do whatever you want do your own thing you know if it works for you it's great but when you say that to someone (laughs) who's expecting good instruction how would you like to have you know for your job like if that works for you go ahead and do it well wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute like your pilot to learn that your pilot flies the plane the way he likes to fly it and everybody else is flying the plane the way they like to fly it but you know do you know why i'm just still after 20 years of playing a guitar just a crappy little (laughs) guitar player because i've been doing it however i wanted the whole entire time yes autodidactic right there and uh yeah because there is something to be said with regard to um a, learning as much as you can, standing on the shoulders of giants, minimizing the amount of time it takes to get decent at something by not reinventing the wheel. <laughs> you just learn from people that have already done it and that have a procedure set and, and learn why they have that procedure set. I guess that's what we were getting at with that yeah, stuff. And right? then w- w- the next thing that we were trying to make the point of is the real answer at the end is internalizing that instruction yourself. Well, yeah. And you have to make it your own, and you're going to yeah. only be able to do that over time. And even at that, at that point, even the worst class that you take, you know, so for all of you people out there that are you know, kicking the dirt right now, pissed off that you didn't take the right class, Oh no! every class worry. has got a nugget of information for you that you can learn from, good or bad, that you can draw from. It's a matter of getting in the water and diving and training and looking at the journey of training rather than just getting a class and a certification and thinking you're done. Right. Well, that goes to the old adage, you know, nobody's useless. You can always serve as a bad example. So, you, you, I mean, you've got that <laughs> to learn from getting right. less than stellar instruction. But, yeah, nothing's wasted. You What's best is if you realize, hey, there might be a better way to do this or there might be a way that's been established. Let me Instead of me just doing it my way or something to that effect, let's look into who's, who's uh, doing the big dives and how are they doing them and why. Why are they doing what they do? Here, take a listen, people. I'll, I'll tell you flat out, if, if, if you have 
I don't care how many certifications they are. And I don't care what agency they're <laughs> yeah. from. If you only have certifications from one agency, you're missing yeah. a lot. Yeah, or one instructor even. Even if or that's a, a great instructor. Especially, right? even if it's the best instructor in the world, right? you really don't know anything about diving. You know about diving that guy's way, right. which might gel properly with your brain, but you don't know diving from all the different instructors out there all the different ways of looking at things from all the different perspectives male perspective female perspective yeah uh cold water perspective warm water perspective overhead uh, all technical all the different perspectives out there if you only have one no matter how goddamn good it is it still ain't enough it's one viewpoint and it's one way of doing things and it i i can guarantee you it is short-sighted in some way that and if you don't have a vast level of experience to go along with it outside of that instructor or outside of that agency, yeah. you're really, you yourself are not really diving. You haven't made it yourself yet, right? right? You're just going through the motions of somebody else. You haven't really internalized it and made it yours, which is where that deep rooted level of experience comes from is what ultimately makes you capable of being that next level teacher, which is where we have gone mm-hmm. to so many times of knocking out a hundred dives, you know, sixty percent of which have been under the the guide of the instructor, and the other forty percent, you know, in the exact same environment of where you took those classes, is it yeah. preparing you to teach that next generation of divers? Agreed. I like the way way you put that too. Internalizing that instruction, so you have to take that 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 information, that data, and that uh, you know, wee bit of experience you have in a class. And internalize it, meaning every instruction is basically your license to learn that whatever that instruction you got. That's your license to learn. So now you get it, and you have to get out there and dive it, and dive it, and dive it, and dive it, and dive it with people of similar mind, mindset anyway. And then you'll start to, everything will start to shift. Things will, will click. Pieces will fall into place. And you'll start, uh, it'll, it'll start to become your, your way of diving. And then... Then seek out something else, and it'll start to round out your whole – it'll fill up that tool, your own personal toolbox. It'll give you those tools that you know how to use. Like that's your hammer. Now, if you, anybody's into carpentry or you know, a good carpenter can, can take even a shitty hammer, shitty saws, shitty chisels and make something magical out of it. He yeah, will, no he or kidding. she will struggle a little bit at times because the He's tool isn't hammer. theirs. Right. It's not, not their hammer. It's not their saw that they have. And they get those saws, hammers, chisels. They get all those tools from working with them. And they find out what works, what doesn't work. And it kind of becomes their own. So there you go, Brando. What? are you doing this for? What am I doing this for? The money and women. What are we doing this for? Money and women. Women and money. Money and women. Fame. Is there... Fame fame and glory. (laughs) I guess ultimately, is there... A statue being resurrected uh, (laughs) of James Ian Brando (laughs) on on the front doors of the History of Diving Museum? No. I I heard a rumor that there was. If we could just get our busts, you know, just with our headphones on and the microphone and maybe 
you know, fins in her hand or a snorkel. Better yet, a snorkel in her hand. Sunk, <laughs> sunk at the at a bottom of a closed quarry that nobody dives Ooh, anymore. Perfect. It's now surrounded by condos. That's probably more fitting for where our <laughs> statue is going to go. You've just described my lifelong dream. Another one of our top ten, Brando, was another, uh, actually overall one of the biggest fan favorites and that's the lessons for life stories that we do well, they, from yeah. time to time how could you not like those yeah like they're they're definitely my favorite to do we we have the most fun with them uh we get the most feedback on them they're real life examples so people really relate to them well and scuba steve and the point of no return was one that really resonated with the people you know, and this was an instructor that got a little cocky. New instructor, didn't really think much about gas planning. I'm an uh, instructor. Uh, I'm an instructor, man. I, I, I can handle it. I, I, I've, <laughs> I've been through worse, right? That's the only you know, I've been yeah. through worse uh, like yeah. comment. How many times have you heard that? Oh, a lot. Let me put it this way, a lot. And it's people that just think that, they're always going to come home without really having a plan of how to get home. Yeah. That comes from that normalization of deviance, which we talk about a lot. But once you, you've, you've made the mistake and lived, now you have a new normal, and you, you keep pushing that and making more mistakes and living. And, uh, yeah, it gets to the point of no return. Take a listen, people. So do they say was he cave trained, cavern trained, anything? Did he have any of that training under his belt? He was just a newly minted instructor? He was an instructor that had been teaching for two years, it said. So he's semi-new. I mean, he's two years still. Still right. pretty new. But. but he's not a cave diver. And uh, interesting point okay. for people who aren't <clears throat> cave divers, they shouldn't go cave diving. Or, yeah, if you're not even a cavern diver, don't go in the cavern. Uh, just... Chill the fuck out. Right. Get that's some what, training. I mean, that's what cavern uh, training is going to teach you is the beginning steps of, although you're not cave diving, this, you know, with a couple of wrong mistakes can turn itself into something very similar to a cave. So there's yeah. rules that you have to follow. I think people should, you know, we'll use this little moment to, to remind people. And the only reason I'm thinking of this, because recently, you know, I was... I was kind of scolded by a, a diver. I shouldn't say scolded so much, but just the diver became irritated. I was buddied up with him, and I said, hey, we're, you know, we're diving some shipwrecks. I said, hey, what, uh, what do we want to do for a gas plan? Do you got a, da- a gas plan? And he's, he stared at me like, what do you mean? I said, well, gas, when we, when we turn the dive, how much, how much in reserve uh, a gas plan, you know, a gas plan. I can tell you what I do, but I'm in twins. You're in a single hundred. Uh, let's let's talk about this. So I started to talk about it and ask him a few questions, and he got really irritated because I think he didn't know how to calculate a gas plan or how to even approach the subject. And I said, well, what do you got in your pockets? You know, because I, I carry a spare mask, and I know this is a cave thing or a deep, deep mix thing. But I carry it on every dive. It's just, it's habit, number one. It's, it's a nice confidence. You know, it's a confident feeling like mass breaks or even my partner's right. mass breaks or somebody else's mass breaks. I can help out. And, you know, so I go, what's in your pockets? And he has two pockets. It's none of your business what's in my pockets. 
I don't ask you what's in your pockets. You don't even know what's in my pockets. (laughs) He had nothing in his pockets. None of your goddamn business. And I I said, well, do you ever carry a spare mask or anything? What are you going to do if you you, uh, lose a mask or your mask implodes or fails? The strap break, you know, strap break's not that big of a deal. But I've seen lenses implode. My masks have broken underwater and unusable. Um, he said, he said, quote, unquote, I can handle it. I've been through worse. And I said, well, how are you going to do, you know, deco? He goes, I'm just going to the surface. I said, well, so you're going to bend yourself or possibly worse, all because you could have carried a mask in those empty pockets and fixed the situation. I've handled worse was his quote. And at that moment, I, I kind of stopped stopped the talking and I said okay basically I'm diving with a student I'm going to be watching him like a student like listen this is not a, a an ego slam this is this is the way we approach diving and it's all about coming back home easily and comfortably pulling our stops and having a plan right right well well that's so, I, I think the issue that yeah you're bringing up is this guy's a training well, and this guy's a <laughs> diving professional by by certification exactly the issue I'm bringing up. that doesn't have mm-hmm. what you and I consider to be one of the most fundamental basics for a beginner diver to have and that is how to gas plan exactly yeah, so exactly not, what yeah, I'm like you said it's, I, I'm not <clears throat> I'm not judging you uh, I, I, I'm not this is yeah. not a dig at you it's yeah. just this is something that I consider foundational that we need to have on every dive and you just want to blow it off and not yeah. do it. It's like, to me, that's like going in the water with, without a mask. I would never do it. What would be the fun? No. It'd be like going in the water, not zipping your dry suit. I'd never do it because it would be a terrible idea. It'd be like going in the water with What's... only one fin on. I, 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 I wouldn't <laughs> do it. it. Just as like, I, I wouldn't go on to any dive without a gas plan. A gas plan, proper equipment. It's one thing to push your gas reserve a little bit. It's another thing to go a little bit deeper <laughs> than you probably should be going. Yeah. It's another thing to go inside an overhead environment a little bit further than you really have the training or the, the equipment mm. to be there with. But what happens with divers so easily is they they stack all these on top yeah. of each other and they do them all at the same time well, which is because diving is very forgiving and that's thankful and it it i mean it's much more forgiving in the recreational you know less than 100 foot range recreational diver but it's still very forgiving which allows people to get a false sense of of things that are uh safe and not safe you know what i mean so, so breaking the rules a couple times or rules that you were taught stretching those those gas guidelines uh getting separated from your team for, for a while and not noticing i mean not paying attention to your equipment diving with broken equipment all that stuff becomes normalized when you get away with it once because you think ah nothing happened it's my new bar. This is my new normal. And goes to training as well, you know. In training, when you are training something wrong, you're practicing, which, you know, they say practice makes perfect, but you're, you're practicing something that's not really a, a good skill set 
to be practicing. You're practicing it wrong, in other words. Yeah, because habits are habits. Habits and, become and if, habits, yeah. If you're, if you're building bad habits, man, it, it goes to you know that law of primacy that, that we talk about quite right. a bit. You know, when you've built that foundation on bad form, bad technique, mm-hmm. bad thinking, bad habit, thinking that eh, if I really stick with it long enough, I'll change it down the road. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how the industry is in the situation that it's in right now and why it needs such a revolutionary change of focus on instruction, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, getting people in with with very quick and very uh, easy, I, I keep using that word easy, like uh, easy is bad, and easy is not bad, but the thing is when you've watered down the material so much to make it easy so that the class can be super quick, um, there's a false sense of security built in right there you, you, because you've been given a card by an authority. Your scuba instructor who represents your that agency gave you the blessing. You are a scuba diver now. But what they fail to tell you is you're really, you really are only ready to be diving with someone else at a very shallow and very short dives in, in very easy condition. And that's it. But too often, they don't get that. Right. What they do get is way beyond where they belong, like Scuba Steve in this story here that we had. The next episode, Brando, took us to our top 10 scuba towns. Remember, this is we we had just gotten back from. Take me to scuba town. Go ahead. Sorry. We had just gotten back (laughs) from Alexandria Bay. This is right when we had gotten back from Alexandria Bay, New York. Oh, yeah. A-Bay. Doing that advanced class out there that recreational two class right but in this episode you know we we spent some time talking about like a bunch of the reviews that we had gotten and we went through a bunch of i think the essence of the show was that our program the great dive podcast is a lot like just the diving community and it's about the people it's about the places that you go the people that you meet the community that you're building like who you're going out for fun and drinks with for at the end of the day and who you're watching videos with. Right. Uh, and not only diving with, but but the topside activities um, socially. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't include episodes like this, which we talk about the topside activities, the topside goings on, because that's a huge part of diving. I mean, it's a huge part of the diving. That's why people I get mean, into it. I mean, there's a couple of crazy divers that go on a on a trip and they try to spend more time underwater than they do above water you know you know i i know a couple of them and and i'll i'll give a shout out to my friends jerry and chris out there for you know waking up before the sun comes up and they got Mm -hmm. the morning dive in and they're there you know uh, on the morning boat and they're jumping on the afternoon boat and they're they're doing a shore dive after after that and they're they're getting a night dive in you know uh, after dinner and they're, they're back out doing another shore dive the next morning before the sun i mean boom they're knocking out a, a crazy amount of time i on the other hand like to get some dive again don't get me wrong but i, I like to enjoy the the community of the people as well right a little bit of social social activity in the um evening yeah 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 take a listen to this people well 
not to go off even on more. Are you going on another protracted tangent? I am a protracted tangent. But diving really isn't just about blowing bubbles underwater. I mean, diving the lifestyle of a diver, of a recreational slash technical, whatever diver you are, but the lifestyle of a diver, you're actually spending more time topside socially with the people you dive with than you do underwater. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. so and that's something I want that's, you to think yeah, about that's that. something that's completely overlooked in a lot of training. But it's a it's in a way it's a important part of training of how to interact with people, how to get the most out of the people that you're spending the little bit of time underwater with so that your diving can actually grow and get better. How to constructively criticize those that you dive with so that the whole community gets better along with just having fun in general well i was going to say exactly that that right there the having fun part is probably the bigger reason people even are you know they even gravitate towards scuba diving as an activity to to get into is they want to try something new and they want to meet new people. I mean, when I taught open waters and you, you do a little questionnaire, hey, why are you getting into scuba diving and et cetera, et cetera, you, you learn, well, people got into scuba diving. They loved the water, of course. They were always interested in it. But they wanted to meet new people and have some fun. And, again, diving is great, and there's a lot to, to do, and you can focus on that. But you, as you dive, you are going to spend much more time topside than you are underwater, much more. So the places you go and the people you meet are probably 85% of diving. So let's, yeah, I mean, it's not all about the content. Sometimes it's about the humor and it's about the tangents. And the, fr- the friends and you make. The friends you the make, The people yes. that you meet, uh, the time you spend with the boat captain who never you never even get in the water with. Right, right. Afterwards, having a cocktail or having dinner with them, and sometimes their wives, their girlfriends, their boyfriends, whoever they happen to uh, be bringing with yeah, them. Yeah, going back to the hotel that room. That is a huge part. You know, going to the mm-hmm. restaurant afterwards, sitting around uh, in the evening, and talking with the spouses and you know uh, significant others of the ones that never even got in the water and sharing mm-hmm. those experiences. That's diving, too, that, and that's an important part of diving. And I think that's what our show brings to the community is that part of diving. The, what I would go so far as to say the realness of diving. And like you say, some of those great towns we've been to, those, those are a topic I think we should talk about just period because we've been to some great Top ones. ten scuba towns. Yeah, Brando, top 10 scuba towns. We had a lot of really good towns in there and some really good people that we were out diving with out there in Alexandria Bay, which leads us into the next top episode for us, which was episode 234. Right. I know you wanted to segue there, but I just wanted to say that was the the location of the incident, the, the famous dry suit incident of 2022. Uh, well, that is a, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were up there teaching a recreational two class, which this episode was our, our part two of the advanced diver, which was our very second episode that we ever released. We did advanced diver part one. And then it was 
232 uh, episodes later, we finally did part two. But yes, uh, we should give a shout out to good old Daryl Goldberg for inadvertently stealing his dry suit. Yeah, sorry about that, Daryl, who I believe is, he's like in the South Pacific right now or like Truck Lagoon uh, or yeah, something he, to that Yeah, side. he's just, just gotten back from Truck Lagoon. So. Oh, he's back. Cool. Yeah, yeah, shout out. During that episode, we did an interview with those three students, spending a lot of time talking about what it is to have a certification versus what it means to be qualified for that certification. Right, which is a big deal. I mean, that's kind of also at the crux of a lot of issues, right? People get a certification, but they're really not qualified to be doing the diving that they're doing. And a lot of times it ends up badly. Right. And right? this this is where we talk about the advanced diver with only nine dives. Yeah. Who could easily have only been to 61 feet of maximum depth with an instructor with an instructor holding their hand mm-hmm. and they're they're given a certification card that tells them to go to 100 feet well outside their qualifications yeah and, and i i should say not just going to a, a certification that lets them go to 100 feet but it's a certification that lets them go to 100 feet without holding the instructor's <laughs> hand anymore which is a right. big difference then following, you know, you know, it's a big difference being in a hundred feet of water on a dive boat out in open water versus being at a training location, following mm-hmm. a dive master or an instructor around uh, a roped off lined swimming course right. in a still water training facility in 61 feet of water to qualify for a deep dive. Right. And then That's... being out on a real deep dive. That goes to, I mean, the big thing we were talking about, which is the idea of the diver owning the dive versus surviving the dive, right? It's one thing It's one thing to make it back and you're like, oh, thank God I made it back, which a lot of divers do on every dive. On that's, every dive, yeah. That's the MO for every single dive <laughs> and versus you made that dive your bitch kind of thing. You went and owned the dive, <laughs> right? Yes. Essentials was really one of the hardest things I've ever done uh, mentally and physically. And um, I could not have gone into advanced without it. And, and then the advance was so challenging and it's whole, a whole new level for different reasons. Um, Katie, you, you've had children, though. You've had children. You've birthed children. Are you saying there's no take James back. Back. It's the hardest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but that, one, of, one of the hardest. It's funny that you say that, though, Katie, because what what did we do new in the essentials? Nothing. We did nothing. nothing. We didn't do anything. <laughs> like You had we, to flood and clear your mask. We didn't you do anything. Take your regulator thing. out of your mouth, put it back in, right? Right. And that's the interesting <laughs> thing is like you're not really doing anything new. It's it's how we're doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We just we just had to go down to thirty feet all weekend and try not to go back to the surface, and that's <laughs> so. Yeah, it was <clears throat> it was enlightening. So, can I ask another question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Um. So as instructors, the uh, 
the standards are full of this word mastery that uh, you guys are supposed to achieve. And it's, it's used in all the agencies. So when you got your open water cert, you were certified uh, to have achieved mastery in those basic skills, mass clearing, air sharing, buoyancy, a certain level of buoyancy control. But uh, I would say the level of mastery or what we call mastery is a little bit different. Would you guys agree with that? Definitely. Would you, would you guys say that you've achieved mastery? Are you saying, did you, do you think you uh, achieved mastery when you did your, when you left your open water and they gave you your open water card and said, well, Hey, yeah. you have mastery in open water. Oh gosh. No, I mean, I never would have um, done essentials if I felt like that. So you could feel that there was something missing. I mean, you just right. kind of knew it. Tyler, okay. how about you? What are, what are your thoughts of, you know, uh, the essentials? You know, Katie was saying that the essentials was the hardest thing that she'd ever done. And I was making the comment of, but it's, we really didn't do anything new as far as class. skills, right? You know, uh, and like Brandon was saying, you, you have a card that says you have mastery of these open water skills. So how, how do you feel? Well, I, um, I think that, Honestly, rec two would be what I would call the hardest thing that I've had to encounter yet. But the essentials, um, it was independently challenging because all of those things that the, you know, Patty said you so-called mastered, you know, the way that we were going about using them. And like, I know I struggled the mask flood and clear uh, one occasion. There were like just the way that we went about doing things and being able to keep buoyancy and do some of the like combining these skills in that way was was taxing on a new level. Right, right. Whereas usually in, in most open water programs, when you practice buoyancy control, you're practicing buoyancy control. And when you're practicing mass clears, you know, you're on the bottom practicing mass clears. So for for a lot of people this, you know, the, the essentials is the first time you're controlling buoyancy, maintaining trim, maintaining body position, um, not swimming forward, not uh, holding on to something. And now, okay, let's tax you with, with the mass clear. We can see that, okay, so now there's a breakdown in buoyancy control when I have to think about something new. And we start to add that in to the game. And then recreational two, like a level there, it's the, the, the kick up is now the, the mass clear comes without me saying, okay, everybody ready to do a mass clear, right? The mass necessity of clearing just happens for some strange reason. Yeah, the uh, basic open water uh, mastery is doing these skills on your knees, on the platform, and not getting bent. So if you can do that, you've mastered the skill according to some of these other uh, agencies. And looking back, it's there's no mastery whatsoever. It's you, you know barely get through it. Take a couple times. You're in shallow water. Oh, you had to pop up. Okay, well we're gonna go back down ten feet. Try again. Oh, okay, third time you did it. Great, you're a master now. That is, no. <laughs> Right, right. And it, it's, uh, there's a little giggle at the end, but unfortunately that's, that's all too common a case, right? Yeah, and right. Especially knowing what, what the card gives you access to, which is, 
you know, go out on any dive boat in really any condition and do a dive up to 60 feet. And if you do an advanced class for, for a lot of these uh, certifications out there, I mean, it's really five dives of following the, the, the instructor again. And then now you're allowed to go to a hundred feet, whether you even went anywhere near a hundred or not in, in training, you know, the, when you show up on a boat and you flash that car, that's what they, what they send you out to do, which is why, like, I look at, you know, that recreational two level is, is it is a demanding class because it's going to be the first time that you actually get to apply all that hard work that we did in the essentials. And can I keep everything together, think on my feet and, and get everybody home in a, in a smart, logical way, despite, losing resources that we thought we were going to have on the whole entire dive and not just give you, you know, this happy rosy feeling of we're going to go down, you know, swim around at nighttime and uh, you're a night diver, but no, like we're going to look at the issues that we could really face on a night dive and, and how do we work our way through it? Exactly. I don't like the same thing with the navigation. Okay. We're going to go navigate. And then all of a sudden we're losing masks we have to fix those problems. We have something leaking, fix that problem. And then, okay, problems are fixed. Now we got to finish this navigation and get back. Yeah, we still got to, we still at the same time, you know, somebody's got to have the wherewithal to not lose our position in the water. Mm. Right. As uh, somebody's dealing with a, a flooded mask, right? Exactly. Yeah, so there you go. Recreational level two, which, you know, we're trying to develop as what, you know, you and I would consider a real advanced class, right? A where, truly advanced class. But in course. order to have that, all of those essential skills that, that we run in the essentials have to be down pat. Like, you can't be struggling with mass clears and mask removals and propulsion and all of this while maintaining good trim, balance, and buoyancy control. I mean, that has to be Second so nature. ingrained that it's it's just it's there. It's like and, you're walking. On the, yeah, on the surface, right. right. And and if you don't have that, what what is the point of advancing your skills if you don't have those basic core foundational skills yet? Well, the point is to get a card so that I can go do a dive, that I'm scare not- the living shit out of myself, and end up quitting. That's the point, I think. I, I, I can't figure out the point. I, You know, Brando, the, the next episode that we have in our top 10 list was another one of the favorites, diving to tranquility. The, the, the zen and the art of scuba diving episode. This, kind this, of. Is, another, <laughs> this is another one of the ones that I liked because yeah. it's going back – like old 60s skin diver articles. Right. Which for me really are a favorite as well. I mean, I mean, I, I love looking at that old perspective of scuba and trying to correlate it to what's going on today. And yeah, like it, to me, there's a lot of similarities in the old way and then what we're trying to do today. There's a lot of ebbing, you know, ups and downs along the way. It's it's not at all, in my opinion, a continual growth in the educational model. No, and the no outcome no. of divers. It's there's been ups, there's been downs, there's been, but it, a lot of my opinion is is 
because scuba was so new like nobody really knew what they were doing for building a structure uh, other than we have to learn well. scuba. And then there were so many fractions that were being born at the same time that now in 2022, when you've got recreational scuba grew, cave diving grew by itself, deep wreck diving grew by itself, you know, and then you're trying to mix them all together and put one linear path together. They don't go. When you look at the beginning, the birth it was a very rigid, um, I should say rigid. It was a very stringent uh, training program. It was, it was, they were erring, erring on the side of safety. And the, the divers would be extremely competent because the people that were doing it didn't want that on their, that weight on their shoulders. Of, right. I got somebody interested in this and I didn't do an adequate job of showing them how to do it properly. Um, and then we had, you know, fast food business model come into the, the scene and took over. And, um, well, you got what you got now. Yeah, I mean, and this, this is what we have in this article was this was about a, a guy who was in his 50s first learning to scuba dive, mm-hmm. right? And he did this over there in, uh, in Spain learning to dive off of uh, Mallorca. But remember, they had the, the slide diving going on and he, he nearly <laughs> killed himself and he did like five minutes of instruction and, and like here you go go scuba yeah. diving and and later on he was saying the same exact thing like back in the the late 60s like like what are we doing with this like quick model there's a right, right way to learn how to scuba dive and this is a bad model that's basically what uh he kind of goes on to talk about putting profits over safety being underwater out there is a perfect place for learning about yourself. Yeah, self-reflection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. talking to yourself, you know. <laughs> I do that topside, too. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> being, being, I mean, there's a place where you have to be in your own mind. Yeah. And you have to learn to communicate outside of just verbal. You know, True. It's, uh, it, it forces you to become a better person. Well. A more in-tune and, and self-aware person, I believe. Yeah, it does. It does. It requires that. But I think the benefits as far as, uh, quote unquote, getting away from the workday world, the benefits now are tenfold or a hundredfold because social media, your silly ass phones, uh, the computer, internet, all that gives 24-7 access to you working or inter, you know, just the noise of daily living is is super loud because of those devices and that lifestyle we have now where everybody's constantly talking. It's constant noise, you know? Well, yeah, that's why you, you listen to anybody nowadays. They're going to tell you that there's so much value in taking some time for daily self-reflection, yeah. uh, meditation, mindfulness, because you got to quiet all that shit out of your life somehow. And underwater, although they're, you know, for decades now, they've been working really, really, really hard at marketing more and more technology to bring with us underwater. That's what I, you know, like most about, you know, the way I approach a dive is my ability to self-reflect underwater and not sit there relying on all that technology. Right. Being self-aware, understanding my body, learning to read my body. Yeah, I'd agree. That's uh, underwater will do that for you. And you know, try trying to shut down the the 
the movement to bring the internet underwater right now. Your phones Ugh. and your the ability to be contacted while you're down there. I mean, let's just stop that. Let's let's throw that out the window. I, I know you can say, well, you don't have to bring it with you, but your partners will bring that shit with you, and you're, it'll be just like here where you're talking and they got their fucking Ugh. phone in front of their face, right? You think texting and driving is bad? <laughs> texting and diving is going to be... Yeah, just keep it up here. It's, you know, even full face masks. I used to have full face masks with comms and everything. And I chucked that shit out. I said, I said no more. I don't want to hear you goddamn yapping under there. That's some cra- like a crabby old man. Of course it does. <laughs> I do. But as you get older, you get a little hypersensitive to it, maybe. Stop the incessant yapping. Oh, speaking oh, oh, of. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Oh, is it a, is it a Instagram post that you're getting notified? Of? Somebody liked hey, uh, my my post of uh, my meme. <laughs> wait, wait, what were you saying? <laughs> yeah, could you imagine um, when we get to the point where you got you got, you got two new divers, you know, single tanks cruising around Grand Cayman, approaching their computer's no decompression limit. All of a sudden. <laughs> Hang on, my wife wants to know what we're doing. Dude, we got to go. Hang on, hang on. You're almost out of air. Hang on, I got to text. I got to text her back. <laughs> so, Brando, we go from Spain over to the good old UK for a couple of episodes last year in a spot of tea in a little spot of tea a spot of tea with me cave diving group <laughs> with me cavers me cave diving group yes an old so, do i get to say it do it in old swilden's hole old swilden's hole swilden's we, uh, hole mates so last year's international <laughs> cave diving month Yes. We took a trip way back to the early days of cave diving in Europe over to the good old Mendip Hills area and really went back to the very early days of cave diving there. Completely different type of cave diving than than our good old Florida and Mexico here in the uh, North America. Yeah, and this was kind of a build up to what people had been emailing us about for a long time which was that Thai cave rescue but right you know we, we really knew that if we were going to touch this Thai cave rescue like we really had to go back you know to, to British to, caves yeah to, to why why it was this group that was picked to go rescue those kids rather than you know uh, a group of people diving the WKPP out of Marianas (laughs) or WKPP guys right who are doing some amazing cave diving but totally well it goes to show totally different ball game right it goes to show you James real divers know the impact of environment on the diving and although you may be a cave diver are you a British sump cave diver or are you a Florida cave diver or are you one of those the Mexico cave divers they're borderline aren't they they're borderline on that that cave the word cave on their on their um 
card. It says cave diving certified. Oh, here right? we go. The here word we cave go. is We're a picking, picking is, the fights. It's <laughs> a little fights. transparent. It's the opacity is at like sixty five percent or something. You can. It's not. It's all. Yeah, technically it's cave, but average depth eight feet, twelve feet. Right. Come on, flow. What's that? What's that? <laughs> yeah, so totally different worlds of cave diving, and we got yeah, to have a I'm really good talk about all of that. Um, I was just going to say one more thing, and if we were to rate the, um, I don't want to say macho-ness, I just want to say the rankings or the coolness factor or the difficulty level, like the British cavers, they'd be the to me, they'd be up at the top as far as that's tough-ass, hard, difficult stuff, physically, mentally, everything, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and you, you and hear a lot Florida about it cavers. in, you know, uh, Balcom and Shepard's first dive where yeah. they've got mm-hmm. breath holding turns into bicycle pump, <laughs> no clue right. of the physics of what's going on, you know, blowing out eardrum, just pure balls and a drive of, of excitement to see what could possibly Adventure. be past. Yeah, yeah. Right. Totally Exploration. Awesome. It's, yeah. it's really what, the, you know, the word explorer is all about. And then, you know, Florida cavers are next. And then then the, at the kids' table, we got the Mexico cavers. <laughs> I am kidding. Give Mexico it a listen, cavers. folks. Give it a listen. That that's all for Justin. Just just so everybody knows, we're gonna throw that out there. For Justin. So he got out of the water. His old buddy Shepard uh, helped him stumble ashore, and they they say here that he was just cold, freezing, and and racked <laughs> with spasms. <laughs> Fuck this noise! <laughs> <laughs> right? Is I think quote unquote. He says, quoting Balcom, he said, cold water and my nervy condition quickly reduced me to a state of uncontrollable shivering. Been there. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, rushed out of the cave and uh, tried to get dressed and warm himself outside in the sunlight. Shepard reassembled their gear and prepared to make his maiden voyage into the watery pit. Well, you got to give Shepard. I was just going to say, give Shepard some credit here because he just watched this. No kidding. Like, why in the fuck would I go? I don't need to do yeah, that. Yeah, let's get the hell out of here. What were we thinking? Let's go join the ladies at yeah. the pub. Well, he didn't come out going, oh, that is awesome. This is so cool. You got to try it. You got to try it. No, <laughs> he came uh, out, you know, shivering and like, uh. Yeah, like like he did just see death <laughs> down there, right? <laughs> like, like he got down and like the Grim Reaper was sitting right there. <laughs> Looking at him. Or, hey, or a dragon. Right this way. <laughs> but no, uh, Burgess said that he enthusiastically, like, uh, was was not any way diminished of uh, of doing the dive himself and put his gear together and got into the chilly water and sank from sight. Now, Burgess says that his reactions to the subterranean submersion was much the same as Balcom's. Knowing the danger of sinking into the soft mud bottom, however, he avoided it and kept himself out of any trouble. As Shepard made his way along one wall of the pool, he dimly saw the opening of a narrow passageway leading off to the right. Cautiously, he entered and followed it, tugging at the tightness of the air hose he had slipped under his left arm. Turning his head from side to side, he swept the faint yellow beam of his light 
over the angular walls ahead of him. They stretched on as far as the short limit of his visibility. The bottom thick with the wet, soft, silty mud bottom that boiled up before his goggles like smoke whenever he moved his hand too close to it. Right, we know, you know, diving now, if you kick up the silt, that, that's a great description of, of that smokiness right. that, that, that pools right. up from the, the, the wash of your fins. We know exactly what's going on out in open water because you new diver gets too close to the bottom, poor kicking technique, bad trim, you know, destroying the visibility for everybody, and you got to swim up and over and around to get away from that. This, like, <laughs> Shepard's going in, and it's getting bad. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. <laughs> and he's still going. And that, yeah. that blows me away, like, that, that courage. Yeah. Well, he did have his air hose. So that there's there's it a was way. under it was under his left arm <laughs> exactly, you know uh, again this is what like like I, I wish I knew Burgess back in the day in my early youth of of getting into diving you know he was still around back in those days and you know back in the eighties late eighties early nineties I think he was still around then and like because this was a guy who's genuinely loved diving and loved cave diving and did all the research the old you know library right right. You know, card catalog way, not you know, not typing and your... uh, sitting on YouTube <laughs> exactly. till two o'clock in the morning watching videos. Not the you YouTube know? Academy of History and Science. <laughs> yeah, enticed farther into the tunnel by the tantalizing thought of what may lie just beyond the blurred and gradually constricting passageway he was following, Shepard was unprepared for his air hose to abruptly stop him. Thinking it had snagged, he reached back and tugged smartly. Forty feet behind him, on the surface, his action jerked the hose off the respirator and into the water. Son of a bitch! <laughs> so, so much for that, uh, that. At least he had his air hose. Right, right. <laughs> and I, I just can imagine the feeling. You're like, what the fuck is holding us? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I seriously am regretting what I just did. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Burgess says the life giving stream of air stopped. So we go from uh, Swilden's Brando. They, they, the next in our top 10 is another one from that same series. Uh, it was two episodes later. It was the. Devil is a gentleman episode. The devil is a gentleman, though. And that's where we got to see the exploration really continue through that whole Wookiee hole system. Right. And more divers started showing up. Uh, more equipment started showing up. And they got further and further and further. And we got a guy trapped, lost, separated. Finds a dry pocket of air, you know, really similar to, you know, the, the, the boys in the, the, the Thai cave, just trapped and waiting and waiting and waiting and hoping right. somebody comes to find him. And he eventually takes the last little bit of gas he's got and, he's, and he, he makes a swim, swim back for it. But it's, a, it's one of those real harrowing stories of being in that early cave exploration. 
these early days stuff that we cover, especially with cave diving developing um, and how it got to where it is now, this is good stuff to know. Just just so you know, the sacrifices that were made, the the hurdles that had to be overcome. And when you're getting into it, you should know that a lot of the stuff where the instructor goes, I just just try try it all these different ways and whatever works for you works. I think those episodes are great for that. So you see how we got to where we are now. Absolutely. That's why I love going back to these historical stories for sure. So Davey starts like thinking about his gas and his bottles. And he figures he's probably got 10, 12 minutes. He figures to, to swim back to chamber nine if everything goes perfect, is going to probably be about a 10-minute swim. And he starts having the, 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 that thought right there, right, of do I wait for a rescue and hope yeah. these guys find me in this chamber that nobody know, even knows exists, <laughs> except for me. I'm the only man yeah. on planet Earth in the world that knows this place exists, or do I make a go for it? So finally, uh, you know, he, he starts working on his uh, Aflow, repairing that, uh, waits for about three hours, figuring he, he wants the, the bottom to settle as much as possible so the water can become as clear as he can. At almost uh, four o'clock in the morning, he, he sets his compass direction, you know, uh, figuring he'd know which way to go once he got down to, to get himself back towards chamber nine. And uh, he was also was aware that the sloping bottom should be going up. So uh, uh, Farr Far describes it by saying that after taking one brief false turning, he saw the wire left by Coase in 1949. Then his first cylinder gave out, though less than halfway back to Chamber 9. He decided to press on. In doing so, he used the line to pull himself along faster. And just like we say in cave diving today, this is why you don't <laughs> pull yourself along the line. It snapped. It Son snapped. Of a bitch. Almost simultaneously, his own reel jammed. And quickly, he removed and dropped it. Heralding the impending exhaustion of his air, his breathing became difficult. With only seconds of life in his cylinders, he also dropped his aflo, miraculously reaching air in complete darkness. Shocked, but still thinking rationally, he located his emergency torch and reassured himself that he was indeed in Chamber 9. This was at 4.07 a.m., about Five minutes later, Davies could see the glow from his aflow, about four meters deep, so he swam down to retrieve it. He said that his safe exit was now almost guaranteed because he had ample oxygen in the rebreathing set, which he had left in Chamber 9, and was able to make an uneventful exit, reaching the base finally at 5 a.m. He was tired and cold, but very happy. The devil, he said, is a gentleman. <laughs> he is. I know him personally. The next episode, Brando, is one that's near and dear to your heart. It's, the, it's the acronym of all acronym <laughs> episodes. 
Oh, I remember this acronym Episode too. Episode two twenty eight. Don't you get to say it? You no, say you it. Do. No, you, uh, okay. You, the, you remember? The, uh, Go for it. I can't. It's an acronym that really isn't a word, but it's the M I E T D T R T R H T D T M. Is that right? Close. I'm going off of memory. <laughs> but it was the making it easy to do the right thing and harder to do the wrong thing episode. Yes. So, exactly, so yeah, yeah. Is... Like, like you said, M I E T D T R T A H T D T W T episode. W T. Yeah. But basically, it was uh, th- this was one of uh, Gareth Locke's stories that he wrote. Basically about how do we yeah. yeah how do we improve dive safety and it's always a fun conversation for for the two of us to have yeah um, and it's one of the the points that you know you've been bringing up since very early on in the Great Dive podcast about deviating beyond normal safe practices and, and then thinking that you're okay and you've reset that bar yeah and. You know what? I think this this episode's really good, you know, pointing that out. And we've had we've interviewed Gareth and we've we've talked about human factors before, but that whole normalization of deviance, that's in almost every aspect of a of a person's life. From driving your car, cooking food, raising children, going to work, doing your work thing, and scuba diving and you know, almost everything. When we talk a lot about, you know, the incident where in, the students are afraid to step up and say something to the instructor out of fear of being wrong or even ridiculed for whatever, doing something they think is shameful because they don't know anything. Students know nothing, right? They just know they're on stage kind of thing. In this story, that's what Gareth is trying to bring up is trying to build an education system where the student feels just as comfortable as anybody else to be able to say this isn't right something's wrong, we should thumb this dive and have the authority and the acceptance to thumb the dive. But that's going to take a huge change in the the thinking of the the educational community out there of of giving that type of instruction to somebody who's brand new and learning to still be able to have that awareness, which is keeps going back to, you know, you're not going to do this in a weekend class. I mean, that's that's ultimately what we're getting at, right? You can't do this not in a weekend class. It's very difficult to do it in a, a class where you meet for 12 hours, you know, half in the pool, half in academia. Right, and what, what I keep coming back to is mm. this is what I mean by the, the, the revolutionary change in scuba education mm. away from it's two nights of instruction and you're certified. It's getting on a long-term path of learning, practicing, diving, experience building, learning, diving, meeting people, Dude. seeing different perspectives, seeing what you like from this other perspective, seeing what you don't like from this one, and building yourself as a diver and making scuba your own art and making it yours. Well, dude, yeah. I mean, what you're talking about would take destroying the foundation of the current fast food philosophy. And I don't I don't have any problem with it. I really don't have any problem with it. But just call it what it is. Call though. it what it is. Let the people know that they don't have a certification that's putting them on the path. Yeah. You you're starting 
on the wrong end of thinking, right? You're starting at the very beginning yeah. level of thinking that assumes you're just going to go look at some fishies in 20 feet of water and probably never do it again. You're not taking right. it like instruction that's going to prepare you for the end on a consistent path all along the way is never going to be a class that you can take in a weekend. Right. No, it's going to take uh, time because it's going to take effort because it's not going to be a walk in the park. It's they're going to actually teach you something and you have to incorporate it into your activities, you know, underwater and become skillful. There you go. Give this one a listen, people. Do it. Two breaks a day and and production soared. And that that's where it was birthed and then it became known as the coffee break. They get their coffee breaks twice a day. And that's, you know, when they were really learning, wow, coffee increases production. So you get a coffee break. Anyway, not to deviate. I'm deviating. That's, I'm drifting. That's called, I'm drifting right That's now. called Brando's normali- <laughs> normalization. <laughs> normally deviating on us once again. But a little tidbit of trivia, and the only reason I bring it up is because I just read it like two days ago. I thought it was kind of interesting where the coffee break came from. Okay. So let's try to get back on track. Oh, here we go. How many, times, start, how many times have you gonna said that? I'm going to start back at the beginning. I'm, I'm, I read this the, article today. <laughs> right? It's called <laughs> How to Improve Your Diving Safety and Performance. I, <laughs> I want you to, to reintroduce. I think we need to reintroduce our, ourselves here. Hey, it's the Great Dive Podcast, and you're here with, let's get back on track, James Z. <laughs> 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 and normally deviating Brando. <laughs> there you go. See, I like that intro a little better. All right, there we go. But, uh, you know, so they talk a little bit about how in the technical community and in the cave diving community, you know, having having the ability for somebody to thumb a dive, you know, they they, they carry off their conversation a little bit is normal. But it's not really taught in the recreational end of having that psychological competency to realize that something's going wrong as a new diver and be able to say to all the other people that you're with, the more experienced divers, the dive master, the instructor, to see something as a new guy and go, this isn't right. Let's take it home, sort, sort things out and maybe come back and do another dive later, right? That it's, you're taught to follow your leaders in recreational scuba. And that's one of the things that, that human factors is going to help improve is that ability to have that psychological awareness on a dive that's accepted the more higher and higher ranking you get out of the recreational world. But it's something that the recreational divers need to understand just as much. Yeah, I think they're very susceptible to, to peer pressure, when you watch the new divers, they uh, are looking at everybody else, looking for cues on behavior, how they should be acting. But you got to think of like that. That's often what I think is what do all these new guys think when they're looking at me in the water? And am I set, setting a good example? Because they're thinking they're, they're, his they're, hair, they're that his hair is beautiful. How, how does his hair stay now, perfectly that, slicked that, back underwater? <laughs> That's what they're thinking, James. It's a it's called a commitment to excellence, Brandon. No, it's called five W thirty or ten W thirty. Yeah, it's called pomade. But Michael says to him, 
yeah, we need to be able as divers to be able to question what's going on at any point in the dive. Exactly. And it's easier said than done. Everybody says you've got to have that capability to thumb the dive, to question uh, behavior or uh, procedures. You have to have that ability. But yes, in tech diving, in in many tech diving classes, not in all of them though, but they do teach that. And I think they go more than just the cursory mentioning it in training. They actually try to put it into effect, right? Try to give scenarios or ask the student, like, when would you thumb this dive? When would you say, I'm not jumping in the water? Right. But on the open water and the recreational there. level, that, that's not really no. taught at all. No, they say you can, right? you can thumb the dive anytime you want. They say it. But they don't teach somebody how to make that decision, which is where the problem is, right? Because as a recreational diver, like you're you're not going to step in the way of a bunch of instructors and dive masters and go, whoa, 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 you think this is a good idea? <laughs> you're going to feel like an idiot. Yeah. A number of stories we've talked about involving instructors and students and in looking at them from uh, the hindsight, obviously, you can see where the student had reservations about doing anything. Of course, it's hard, right. it's hard to filter out the reservations from nervousness to a real potential problem. Right, but if the culture has never been established exactly. that it's okay for that student to make the question right. versus it's always do what I say when I say exactly. it. Exactly. Do as I say, not as I do, or even, you know, it, it's, it makes it hard. Well, just like that. What, what Gareth yeah. and Michael are having the conversation of right now is that, no, man, it, it's applicable in all diving, recreational diving as mm-hmm. much as technical diving anywhere. Well, look at our... We, we need to have like a, a, a place where instructors and dive masters and boat captains all agree that we should have this open discussion with the new guys as well so that they learn a, a comfort in that from the beginning. Yeah, just look at our last, uh, our last episode with the, the student doing a complete open water class without confined water, in open water, in 60, 80 feet of water, right? <laughs> you know, just because you're shallow doesn't mean you're void of risk. No, you're still underwater. You can't breathe yeah. there. That's not human <laughs> capability yet. Well, we should probably point out the difference between normalization of deviance and, and normally deviating. Oh, yes. Very good point. point. See, it's normal for us to deviate from the topic that we're talking about. True. Because we relate things to so many other topics. Because, as you always say, you know, diving is life and life Life is is diving. Diving diving is life. It's why, you know, for all those haters out there that have given us those one-star reviews because it takes us 15 minutes to get on topic, what we're doing is we're setting up we're setting up a, a story for you that's going to relate to the scuba story we're about to tell, and we're going to bring it all home at the end, for Christ's sake. Slow down and, and relax and listen to the whole damn episode, for crying out loud. Don't judge Enjoy us on, on, on 30 seconds. Don't judge me on three minutes of the very beginning <laughs> of the episode. I haven't even, haven't even yes. gotten started getting going yet. Jesus. Brando, episode 116 was our all-time number one, still to this day, number one most listened to episode. That is the Tupi 
or not to pee episode. To pee or not to pee. That is the question, isn't it? And like the big, the big thing, you know, it, it was an undercurrent story talking about peeing in your wetsuits. And I, I, th- I think at the, the big end of the day, like we were having a, a pretty big discussion about peeing, you know, needing to pee, having to pee versus, you know, having some odor in an already stinky, <laughs> yeah. stinky, yeah. sweated in wetsuit versus your personal <laughs> discomfort and potentially health. Right. I mean, uh, this was a good one. I think I think people liked it because everyone that's learned scuba has gone through this, right? It, especially they're in their wetsuit. Do I pee in it? Can I pee in it? Should I not pee in it? And as we know, you know, working in dive shops and diving for a long time, there there's those who pee in their wetsuit and those who lie about it. End of story. There you go. Just clean it up. Yeah, yeah, Just clean it up, right? If you're diving with Scuba Shack in Kraihia, Maui, you had better hold your water, as we reported in 2007, we being undercurrent, I do believe. They do not allow divers to pee in their wetsuits while in the water, or even on the boat. You will not pee in your wetsuit. Well, only the British do that, or so we've been told, they say. They only pee in their wetsuit? The British are the only ones? That's what it says. Hmm. I just thought everybody did it. So uh, a subscriber, George Entwistle, and recalls that during the first dive briefing, his boat captain told his group of 10 there would be no peeing in wetsuits, in or out of the water. When someone replied it was common practice in diving, especially due to the need to stay hydrated between dives, the captain said with great emphasis, that's disgusting. Do you know how many germs and bacteria can breed in your wetsuit? Not because of urine. <laughs> At first, we all thought she was joking. But to our amazement, she was dead serious, says Rentwistle. The second dive on each trip was a shallow one with a bottom time of 60 to 70 minutes. The only way not to pee was to stay unhydrated. Is it unhydrated or dehydrated? They would end up being dehydrated because, because of they were unhydrated. Because they were unhydrating themselves. Is it unhydrating? Or? So they had, they they sent this story. The guy sent this story, and it goes on and on, and and talks about the shop and everything. And uh, after Undercurrent published it, they got a, a steady stream of these comments that came in. One guy says, uh, you know, as a physician and diving instructor. I feel compelled to address some of Mr. Neal's aesthetic points. And it's sterile. If it were not, we would all have urinary, kidney, bladder, and prostate infections. Truth, for the most part. Unless you do have an infection, then it's not sterile. But most normal people walking around have sterile urine. The human mouth harbors more numerous and more toxic bacteria than the urinary tract. Divers are a spitting group. We spit when we climb on board, when we have something in our regulators to clear out, and so on. Perhaps this habit needs to be banned as well. It's a slippery slope you climb when you start banning urine in your wetsuits. <laughs> Another uh, commenter said that Scuba Shack can make the rule and customers can agree, but when the urge to pee hits, all rules are off. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> now, let me just say that as a... As a dive shop professional myself for many, many years, there's a routine that occurs on, on Monday afternoon. Post-checkout dives. 
post post, post weekend, weekend dives, right? Yeah. And most people finish their dive. They throw all that shit in the trunk of the car. Mm-hmm. They leave it in there to bake in the summer sun, evening heat. Get it back Monday. Drive to, after, drive after to work mm-hmm. on Monday and leave it steaming in the sun because they're parked in the middle of the parking lot at work. And they come rolling into the dive shop in the evening to return their rental gear. And when you grab that suit to fold it, you can tell. unfold it, and, and <laughs> open it up inside out to hang up to yeah. fully dry, there's, there's no smell. Is infuriating. Steamy urine. As the stench of a of a peed in wetsuit that's just sitting and stewing in the filth. Now that is a disgusting mess. No doubt about it. It is. So if you're gonna piss in your wetsuit, rinse it out. Rinse the goddamn thing out. It's not that hard. Actually, just take it off and throw it back in the water. Yeah. You know, run, run it through the water. Don't hand it back to the dive shop guy like that for crying out loud. I agree on that. There are other options for relieving oneself. Captain Charlie provides a working head, and Captain Valerie gives clear instructions how to use it after she tells everyone about the no-peeing rule. Perhaps once underwater, the urge to urinate increases, but still, if a full-grown man in fit condition to dive can't hold it in for the 70 minutes he is underwater, then perhaps he ought to see a doctor, says this Jenna Jackson who wrote in. Second, every captain has the right to make his or her own policies regarding their boat. Captain Charlie stated his reasons for enforcing the no-peeing rule and provided an alternative. His rule seems reasonable. You have given readers the completely wrong idea about scuba shack. Hmm. And um, I, in, in some ways, I can I can see, I, I can, I can see Jenna's point in, in, in what she was saying. No doubt about it. Because I've been on the receiving end of having to take that suit back from somebody and go, oh, my God. God, are you kidding me? I'm with you, and and I do get both sides, but I but m- I fall to the side of listen. Fifty two minutes into this seventy minute dive, yeah, you got to pee, right? And uh, it hurts to move my legs. To I'm not swim. having fun. No, I'm not having fun. I'm taking a piss, and you can jump in the water not having to pee if you're fully hydrated. That immersion syndrome hits you. You feel the urge to go. You got to go. Now, you can go around trying to hold it just so that the dive shop doesn't have to deal with it. But you can still clean out the wet. Come on, give me a break. Yeah. It's just, it's sterile urine. In a wilderness first aid class, you the drink instructor. It. Talk to Bear Grylls, man. <laughs> well, Brando, the last of the 10 was episode 231. Where we talked about uh, the climb. This was, yeah, this is, this is uh, kind of like just like Miley a Miley fr- Cyrus episode. You should. <laughs> oh, that's all you had to say. The Miley Cyrus episode. There you go. But uh, I, I think we started talking about something, and then just got. We I think we we never got out of really talking about the diving that we had just done. Right. You know, up in northern. We never like, reached the-, the top of the mountain. We no. just kept climbing and climbing. <laughs> and that's when we, re- we truly realized that it was all about the climb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember you saying that, you know, the, the point of it is to, to ready yourself, you know, for, you know, that's what your training is supposed to do is to ready yourself so that when you need, you need all that stuff to come out of you, it's there. It's, it just comes out. It just happens, it goes through right? you. It flows through you. It, it's not a, you know, something you have to purposefully do. 
Yeah, and when you need to perform at your best, your best comes out. Like you don't want to have so little training and so elementary basic training that when you need your best to come out of you, you fumble because you have barely practiced a skill. Right. The point of the climb is is that you've you've overtrained and you've done these dives where like you've practiced for the bad things to happen without somebody tapping you on the shoulder saying, Hey, we're about to practice that bad thing happening, right? You you practice Mm -hmm. it in a way with, without notice, you have to deal with emergencies. That's how you get yourself to be able to deal with real emergencies and be able to keep your cool. Right. As as little thinking as possible. As far as those basic balance, buoyancy, trim, and awareness, that's just constantly going on in, in the background and foreground to a certain – but it's just constantly on automatic. Right, and, and that's how you open up your brain to be able to deal with the emergencies right. rather than being sitting there completely dependent on technology. A, a bingo, and, and and that's what a good class will do is we'll – throw things at you when you are ready to have things thrown at you and you can actually think about your solutions to your predicaments and you don't have to think about are my knees dipping in the mud am i <laughs> where's my partners because you know where they're at where right. what depth am i at you know and you're going to get them all home is, is right. the main thing like with, without shooting to the surface you're going to solve those problems underwater and you're going to get everybody home that's how you want to get to take a listen to this one people but when you're doing a dive to 180 feet of water, it's not just a matter of, you know, grabbing your gear and going to 180 feet of water. Like, I, I, you know, I just had a, a guy coming in that I know just got certified two months ago. <laughs> and, and he's, you know, he's rolling in with a new set of doubles because he's uh, going tech diving in a couple weeks and plans to be rebreather in a couple months. Oh boy. I don't, you know, I don't know if if that's wise in my humble opinion. Well, I'm going to tell you it's uh, it's not. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's probably not the wisest thing to do. I'm going to go out on the mizzen mast here and say it's <laughs> I think it's a good idea. Uh because I t- it's and it's not that you are going to have a hard time dropping down to 180 feet. It's all the little things that can occur on the way up, right? And just it's one thing to think that every time you ascend, you're just going to grab onto that mooring line and walk your way up and follow what your computer says. But if that's the way you're doing your training for perfect conditions and nothing's ever going to go wrong and you're just going to go down do the dive and walk your way up and follow your computer you're setting yourself up for a bad situation somewhere down the road where all of the training that you've put in all of the experience that you were supposed to be building needs to come out of you and that's hundreds of dives and years of experience to ready yourself for something like that and training and training up the yin yang not not just a uh you know two two day class of a couple of dives and not really challenged uh, you really need to be pushed a bunch and you really need to learn a lot there's a lot to be learned so there's more to it than there's doubles they're heavier 
it's the same as as diving one, but just heavier. But it gives me more gas. There's more to it. Right, which is thinking, you know, circa 1980, 1990. Yeah. And as far as scuba world goes. But you still have people walking in, you know, that that (laughs) see something come across on Instagram. And I want, and then, you know, you can go to any dive shop in the world at any time of the day or night, you know, online and order up all the equipment that you actually need to do any of this stuff and have it delivered right to your door. The assumption is now, you know, taking a turn back in some ways, in my opinion, of people thinking that this stuff is all about the equipment. That's why I'm just going to get a rebreather because, you know, doing it on open circuit becomes too hard a work and uh, I've got to be on my A game. The, the, the quick, easy answer is avoid all of that training and just go to the rebreather nowadays. I think you're right. I think there's a lot of folks that are doing that. Um, definitely a place for rebreathers, I think. All right. Well, there you go, Brando. That's uh, top 10 episodes of the Great Dive Podcast over the course of our 300 episodes. Uh, what about you? Do you have a favorite of uh, like all the all the stuff we've done all these uh, years? You, what, what's your favorite? I have a... I've a, I have a couple of favorites, but I, I mean, they're all kind of my favorite. It's like you know, ask me if I have a favorite child. But I remember us talking ab- about the birth of Peafog, which is still our baby, and we're still working on it. We and we still own it. But uh, the birth of Peafog was a, a a good little discussion. I laughed a little. It was good, and and a lot came from it. As far as Peafog was uh, was make was was smoking out there on the uh the internets the interwebs if you will <laughs> it it had a re- it had a really good run <laughs> on the uh the, the facebook chatters yes yes uh, a couple and, of them. and uh a lot of the forums for a yeah. while yes um it was our original our original sponsor so yeah here's a little oh, pfog memory and a shout out to <laughs> pfog we got defog in our mouth all day long every day so you you're know, not there's, gonna, more, you you, know there's more bacteria in your spit that you're using the default. Why don't you just piss in your mask? Game on. There you go. <laughs> so I'm going to start doing it for them. Let's start doing Let's that. Let's start teaching it. Let's start teaching <laughs> pissing in your mask. TGDP listeners, when you... Um, Actually, we could sell some we, defog that's basically pit pee. Well, when you, uh, when you defog your mask, give a little, like a, just a little fake... Peace court, like, 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 like <laughs> so Make that, the noise. Of, so, like, out of the corner of somebody's eye, they would see, did that guy just pee in his mask? It's the best way to defog. That's <laughs> when you start, start spreading <laughs> the rumor. <laughs> and then, we, and then you throw your mask, give it a little quick rinse, put it on, go. Best defog out, my man. I think, uh, I think that's a great idea. To... Hey, are you going diving this weekend? Keep your mask clear with the one, the only, PFAR. The professional's choice. 100% all natural. Reliable clarity. PFAR. Refill daily. Keep your mask clear. Never fear. PFAR with PFAR. Before you have been tested, you know, it's 40 minutes. It's been tested, man. All that is a miracle.
the scientists once more. You got anything else that uh, is a, a favorite of yours that, uh, that you remember of the 300? Well, there's another memorable one, only because it's memorable because it's rare. It's memorable because we just don't do it too often. And you know what that is? It's where we made a mistake. Oh, we, we made, made a we, we and made we, a we admit, <laughs> what's this? We, you got a mouse in your pocket. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we made a mistake, but we owned up to it. We, we came right out and yes, it was we kind did. of a, in this day and age, this mistake, I mean, can trigger, it can trigger people to the nth degree if you make this mistake. And it would be easy to make if you don't, if you don't see the person, but even today you can see them and still make the mistake. But we made that fatal mistake going by the name. And paid the price. Oh, did we ever. <laughs> oh, man. So, hey, let's, we, we might as well get right through this. We have an apology to make. No, we never admit guilt, first of all. <laughs> Don't you have any lawyers in your family? <laughs> you've never, you've no, never we, this, we, we, legitimately, we legitimately screwed up. There comes a time in every man's life. You need to admit you're wrong. When, when, uh, when he knows he's been wrong, that he steps up and blames, and he does, and he and does blames what's right. somebody else. <laughs> That's one way people could handle it. But there's something uh, my gramps always told me, something I'll never, never forget. forget. <laughs> well, as difficult as, as it is, maybe I'll be the first one to come out and apologize officially. And I'm going to say, I really want you to know that I'm sorry, Babe Hyde. <laughs> we screwed up, Babe. Like we got a, we got an email from Babe. Well, how did we? Babe screw up? is a male diver. I <laughs> babe, still don't see how we. Babe's screwed up. <laughs> not a hot chick. <laughs> well, I guess that you know it is one of those names that could go both ways. It's very difficult to to discern. It was. Um, he says uh, he said it's just like a family nickname he had growing up, and Tammy was his wife's account that he used this for, for his email. So I, he's he's like, okay, I could get how you guys could screw it up, you know. So when like this is something that somebody does, you know, you 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 screw something up a little bit, and they have a little bit of understanding about it, and they, they come back to you and say, hey, you know, they don't make a big public appearance of of press blowing, release <laughs> blowing it out of proportion. Yeah. On the other hand. I don't know. We're going into our third year. We've only really made one mistake. Right. We have to give a kudos out to our crack team of fact-checking interns. Well, Tiffany and the other girls. Tiffany and the gals. Tiffany and the girls at the main office <laughs> do a hell of a job with the fact-checking. Kudos. So while this may have seemed as if we were apologizing for an error, this is actually a pat on the back to the Great Dive Podcast. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, hey, see, we can admit to our mistakes. <laughs> We're men. We 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 make them and we own them. There you go. <laughs> and I would like to own up to three hundred wonderful episodes with all of you people, and with you too, Brando. Well, of, same uh, to you, Jay. Making some great magic out there for the diving community. Who, uh, once again, it's. The seagrass roots that we're going after. The people looking to make diving a, a better, smarter, safer place for all of us. Let's make the Great Dive Podcast a uh, seagrass roots diving movement. 
No, or just a seagrass roots movement. Don't put diving in there. It's kind of a diving movement. Yeah, no seagrass roots. Yeah, yeah seagrass roots movement. Let's do this. I think it already is. I think it is. I think you're right about that. All right, everybody. Well, Brando, uh, how do we sign a logbook well, for 300? Here, here's how I'm going to sign yours. Dear Jamesy, 300 episodes, five years, 45 minutes of work. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I was just to say five years, 300 episodes. It's been awesome. It's been way better than I thought it would. It's still fun. Well, Brando, um, for yours, let me see your logbook. Um, I am just going to – actually, I'm just going to digitally sign your logbook. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 2023 for God's yes, sake. Yes, we're, we're moving up, getting, in, getting with the uh, 2010s. No, it's been great. It's been a great run. Uh, and okay. this – 300th dive is, I mean, there's going to be some serious deco to do on this one, my man. Oh, so glad we brought that O2. See ya at 20 feet. Small bubbles, no troubles. <laughs> <laughs>